Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi. Welcome to this podcast with me, Dr. David Marlin, on respiratory problems in horses, how to recognize, manage and avoid. And what we're going to cover is what does the respiratory system do? Uh, what, how is it put together? What causes respiratory problems? How can we avoid respiratory problems? And how can we manage and treat respiratory problems once they occur? So the horse's anatomy is uh, a little bit similar and a little bit different to ours in some ways. We have the, the nostrils, of course. We have the upper airway. But in the horse, there is a separation between the passage where the air flows and where the, the food goes, i.e. the mouth and the tongue. And this is joined together at the at the, pharynx, the back of the pharynx, the, the larynx, uh, where the trachea goes down to the lungs and, of course, the esophagus goes to the stomach. And then we have the lungs themselves, which are in the, uh, in the chest, and at the back of the chest, behind the lungs, we have the diaphragm, the main respiratory muscle. Now, when everyone thinks of the lungs, they think of bringing oxygen from the air into the lungs, and here we have a very thin membrane eventually in the, at the deepest parts of the lungs which separates the oxygen on one side from red blood cells on the other. And once the oxygen has crossed by the passive process of diffusion from 
the air spaces into the blood vessels. It's then pumped by the heart to the cells of the body that need it. And all living cells in the body require oxygen, apart from the red blood cells themselves, which rely on anaerobic glycolysis for their energy supply. But it's not just about bringing oxygen in. Uh, aerobic metabolism results in the production of carbon dioxide and this travels in the opposite direction so as the oxygen is unloading from the red blood cells at the level of the tissues so carbon dioxide is coming out the other way because these move uh, against a concentration gradient so the oxygen in the blood is high and in the tissues is low and the co2 in the tissues is high and in the blood is low and during exercise, most of the oxygen that's been delivered goes to the muscles. And in fact, the, the amount of oxygen being moved goes up probably around 20-fold during intense exercise. But the lungs also have other important functions which often get forgotten. They have a role in, um, in moderating hormones. They have a role in protecting against infection, of course, anything that gets breathed in. They, the lungs help control the body's acidity. The lung has its own fairly uh, developed immune system, uh, same mucosal immunity as the, the gastrointestinal tract. It helps control body temperature. And, of course, it also is involved in filtering out uh, blood clots or uh, b- bubbles, emboli. So the lungs sit within the rib cage which is actually the largest structure of the skeleton. And in fact, the lungs are the third biggest organ in the body of the horse behind, number one, the skin, which everyone often always forgets in those uh, general knowledge quizzes, and the second, the digestive tract. <clears throat> and what's interesting is the lungs are actually mainly water. In fact, they're 90% water. And there's more water in the lungs than there is in the blood, which is only around 80% water and the brain, which is 70% water. Now, the lungs, to try and visualise the lungs in the body is actually quite hard, and it's better to go and look at some of the figures that are on the webinar uh, that we've done in parallel with this podcast, uh, because it is extremely difficult to, to describe the lungs without actually looking at pictures of them. And on the webinar, there are some really nice images Uh, showing some different views that you may not have seen before of the lungs. Now we mentioned before that the walls of the thinnest capillaries in the lung separating the red blood cells from the airspace is incredibly thin. In fact it's so thin it's about the hundredth of the thickness of a human hair and it needs to be this thin because oxygen only moves from the airspace, the alveoli, into the uh, into the capillaries and attaches to the blood red blood cells by the process of diffusion and that's purely dependent on a concentration gradient so next let's have a look at some of the general external signs of respiratory disease so at rest cough nasal discharge increased respiratory rate increased respiratory effort which is often seen uh, at, at the flanks Respiratory noise, possibly, but not always accompanied by an increase in rectal temperature. Uh, certainly for infection, but, but less so for allergic disease. 
Um, two of those that really we should never ignore are cough and nasal discharge. Many uh, horse owners do believe that it's okay for a horse to cough to clear its lungs when it starts exercising, but actually that isn't normal and that is a sign that there is likely to be uh, increased mucus within the airways and that's an indication to call your vet uh, and to have your horse scoped. The signs of respiratory disease during or after exercise are fairly similar. Cough, nasal discharge, blood at the nostrils may be associated with exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. With upper airway, abnormal respiratory noise or frequent swallowing, um, blowing for a long time after exercise, and possibly but not always disappointing performance. So one important uh, fact here is that healthy horses do not cough. In fact, the the problem we have with horses is that they don't cough enough. Uh, With people, if you are coughing, you tend to, and you have disease, uh, you tend to cough fairly sort of frequently and continuously. And so we can say if somebody isn't coughing, they're probably healthy. And if they're coughing, they probably do have some degree of respiratory disease. With horses, unfortunately, if they are coughing... Yes, we can say they have disease, but they often cough episodically. So, for example, a horse may cough two or three times, then not cough again for another couple of hours, then could cough once, then not again for the next hour, then six or seven times. And so horses can cough periodically rather than continuously. And and so often we may not even hear uh, our horses coughing. And if we do hear one or two coughs, they may well be coughing much more than we actually realise because we don't spend 24 hours a day with them. The problem is, if your horse isn't coughing, you cannot necessarily assume that it's healthy because we know from a number of different studies that even supposedly healthy horses, if they are scoped, can actually have quite dirty airways. And... The problem with respiratory disease, whether we've diagnosed it or not, is that it can lead to uh, inflammation and this leads to increased mucus, but it can also lead to scarring and fibrosis and permanent damage to the lungs. And this, over weeks or months, will result in decreased performance. And actually not just decreased performance permanent damage to the lungs and also potentially expensive treatments. What are some of the things that can cause respiratory disease in horses? Well unfortunately it's quite a lot of them. Uh, The ones that we would obviously think of such as viruses and bacteria but there are also allergens within the horse's environment and these can come from within the stable from uh, bedding or from forage Uh, or they may just come from outside they may come from trees and bushes around your horse's stables and these are things such as molds pollens dust physical dust dust mites Uh, we also have irritants pollutants cold air these affect people they also affect horses we can have parasites such as lungworm And then there are other conditions such as, uh, for example, exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage and then upper airway problems such as roaring, uh, laryngeal hemiplegia or gurgling, dorsal displacement of the soft palate. One of the things that uh, I 
have been involved in some research in is the effect of cold weather on horses and in fact uh, some some research that I, di- I did with uh, Dr Mike Davis uh, Oklahoma State University we showed that horses can develop a condition similar to ski asthma in people um, and we have there's some other evidence already of the effects of cold weather for example when horses exercise in very cold conditions and when i say cold i mean very cold minus 25 um, their airway temperatures are not surprisingly lower but they also actually reduce their respiratory rate to try and protect their lungs and ski asthma is a condition where the the cold actually because cold air doesn't hold very much moisture it seems to be that the cold air dries the airways out and makes them more reactive. Uh, And in fact, the paper we published back in 2006, which Mike Davis is the first author on, was called Cold Air Induced Late Phase Bronchoconstriction in Horses. And essentially what this means is is horses are developing, after breathing cold air during exercise, exercise, are developing a condition Uh, very similar to what we see in ski asthma so we also have evidence that uh, horses may bleed more in racing in cold weather and in fact this was a study that was done in standard breads racing in canada where they showed that in hot weather 50 percent of horses had blood in the airways after racing but in cold weather that was increased to up 81 percent so the colder the air and the harder and longer you exercise, potentially for, for a, a, probably a fair proportion of horses, the greater the damage to the lungs. So my advice is if you have a horse that already has some degree of, uh, of equine asthma, then I would advi- uh, avoid exercising hard on very cold mornings. In terms of the effect of age on the type of respiratory disease we see, in young horses we tend to see infectious disease predominating and then in older horses we tend to see infectious disease much less commonly Um, parasites worms can affect horses of all ages but then of course when it comes to allergic disease we don't tend to see this in the younger horse Uh, for example equine asthma is a condition that probably has an onset age of on average of around six to seven years so in older horses we would be more likely to see allergic disease in terms of exercise induced pulmonary hemorrhage we know that uh, this increases in severity with age or possibly more accurately with uh, time in training and we also tend to see more or at least diagnose more upper airway problems in horses once they are past the sort of yearling stage once they're actually in training if we're talking about race horses of course so how common is respiratory disease well there's been a number of really good studies to help us understand this um, one study which is quite old but was done in switzerland in 1994 by connie herholtz uh, she looked at 60 show jumpers and 52 dressage horses And the important thing here is that these were all regarded as normal, i.e. not having respiratory disease by their owners. And what she found was that uh, on clinical examination, so endoscopy of the respiratory tract, 53% of these horses had 
respiratory disease. Um, in a study by Arno Lindner in Germany, where he looked at 103 horses in five stables, uh, a combination of pleasure and dressage horses, these were followed for one year. And not surprising, they found lameness was the most common condition, but this was closely followed by respiratory disease. So, in fact, this is borne out by lots of other studies as well. Uh, Colin Roberts, a, a clinician who worked at the Animal Health Trust, who's now at Cambridge University, uh, who has a, an interest in respiratory medicine uh, in horses in particular. Uh, Colin and I looked at, over a number of years, large numbers of long-listed horses for the British team. And it wasn't unusual to... Uh, to scope, say, a group of 10 or 12 horses and to find that seven, eight or eight of them would have respiratory disease that we considered required treating. And this would be in horses that were performing, you know, at a high level, um, horses that were in training uh, and competing and possibly only five or six weeks off a major competition. And, of course, that's the advantage of scoping early enough in advance of competition in that you can then have time to treat uh, you know it may take two to three days to get all the diagnostics back particularly if we're looking to uh, grow bacteria uh, and then you know you do need one to two weeks for treating possibly uh, another few days to follow up and then possibly another couple of weeks to treat before competition so air quality plays a major role in respiratory health in horses and we have control over air quality so we can control what bedding we can use we control can control what forage we choose to put in the horse's stable and we can choose whether or not to allow ventilation interestingly one other area that doesn't get thought about is the effect of grooming and of course we're not suggesting that horses are going to be allergic to their own proteins and dander but they do bring it you know they're a large animal they can bring in a significant amount of dust from outside and then if you groom the horse in its stable you are putting that dust into the air for the horse to breathe and it's possible that it, that dust could be uh, in the stable for several hours afterwards. And that dust could include moulds, pollens, physical dust that has landed on the horse while it has been outside. Now, the other area is uh, the dust that it comes in in the feed and forage. And we know, for example, that uh, from various studies that rolled grains can be incredibly high in, in dust. Um, even worse than good hay. So if we said rolled grains could have an, a number of particles of sort of 120 per metre cubed times a thousand. So that is 120,000 particles per metre cubed. Uh, good hay might only be half of that at 60. And things like alfalfa pellets, haylage, whole grains, molasses feeds, very, very low uh, amounts of dust. In terms of bedding, the poor quality wood shavings that are uh, produced as a byproduct from uh, wood mills are actually pretty awful in terms of the amount of dust in them. Um, they're, they're probably two to three times worse than good straw. Um, and 
if we go down to the large wood chip bedding, they they are, tend to be pretty low in dust. Some of the lowest that I've seen. Uh, things like paper and cardboard, not nice, but they are also pretty low dust, and they're not great for molds to grow on. Um, again, molds can be incredibly high in poor quality wood shavings. Uh, they can be incredibly high in good straw. If you've got decent straw, they might, might not be too bad. And one thing that is nice about cardboard and paper is that they say they don't tend to grow very much in the way of mould. Um, in terms of hay, we know that the uh, from some work by Merrill Moore Collier, Brian Fillery, uh, from back in 2012, if we look at the mould count in hay after different treatments, we see that dry hay can be incredibly high. Uh, that can be reduced down by about sort of 75% uh, with soaking and pretty much to nothing by steaming. Um, if we look at respirable particles in hay after different soaking, then dry hay is pretty bad but when we soak or steam we pretty much reduce those respirable particles as we know now the big problem with soaking is that it can actually uh, decrease the hygienic quality of hay quite significantly because uh, the soaking process allows the bacteria to increase quite dramatically and if you are having to soak because you're trying to reduce water soluble carbohydrate then I would strongly recommend that you follow that up with steaming to, uh, to, to kill off the bacteria that's there. In fact, soaking uh, isn't as effective as removing water-soluble carbohydrate, perhaps as we've thought. Uh, recent studies suggest you can get down to about 40% reduction, uh, which is, you know, if you do have a horse that is struggling or you're struggling with its weight, then that definitely is worth... Um, soaking to remove a significant amount but then as I say you really do need to uh, think about steaming as well to improve the uh, the hygienic quality of the hay. So respiratory disease in horses is unfortunately really common. Um, there could be lots of potential reasons for this certainly stabling is a factor we can't get away from it the horse in the stable has its head up instead of down in the wild they spend maybe 50 60 percent of their time grazing with their head down this helps them naturally clear secretions from the airway and we know that as soon as we tie a horse's head up things start to change dramatically the mucus starts to become thicker uh, things are cleared less slowly and that includes bacteria that are normally present in the horse's airway anyway and in fact those bacteria can be potentially pathogenic so they're there in low numbers they're being cleared continuously but in the head up position with what's called mucociliary clearance that's the clearance of mucus up the mucociliary escalator um, with that being slowed down those bacteria sense this take advantage and they multiply dramatically increasing by several orders of magnitude within a very short period of time within a matter of hours um, and this is a big factor in shipping fever pneumonia that occurs as a result of, of, of transport so we know that stabling has a negative impact on horses even if you have a really low dust environment
Um, we also know that we put a lot of things into the horse's environment in their feed and bedding. And in fact, you know, the better quality, lower dust, lower mold, lower bacteria, uh, feed and beddings that you put into your horse's environment, the better. We, in terms of allergic disease, uh, well, we have the hygiene hypothesis for human asthma, where it is suggested that because of our use of antibiotics in particular, um, we don't allow children to develop their immunity and that this, uh, and also not being exposed to worms, funnily enough. Um, not being exposed to worms and not being exposed to infections can prime the immune system in an allergic way rather than in a non-allergic way. And so, uh, as I say, in horses, there's possibly some evidence for the fact that, you know, the use of wormers and the use of antibiotics could be priming horses towards asthma. But there is also a, a genetic component as well. So, what can you do to help your horse? Well, vaccination, of course. Regular endoscopy. And by regular, I'm, I would mean certainly if your horse is showing respiratory symptoms for more than, you know, uh, let's say a week or so. And particularly if those are fairly, uh, you know, obvious respiratory systems. Um symptoms not systems uh turning out as much as possible using rubber matting so that you can reduce the amount of bedding that you put in and making sure any bedding you do put in is low dust uh making sure you always have good ventilation in the stables put on an extra rug but don't shut the window down never muck out with the horse in the box use haylage or soaked or steamed hay uh, low dust feed and that could be as simple as damping your feed down or adding some oil to mix in to bind any dust or even the dreaded molasses don't ignore cough or nasal discharge they are signs of respiratory disease and finally one that you may not have heard before don't gallop in very cold weather I hope this has been helpful uh, and if you've enjoyed this you could check out the webinars that are on uh, my page drdavidmarlin.com thanks bye bye i hope you enjoyed this podcast and the stable science series if you want to learn more about this topic and our work head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter.